0: Good okay. morning, this is Radio Jackie broadcasting to southwest London on 227 metres medium this wave.
1: This is Alice's restaurant, 90.4 megahertz, and we're here to bring you the very best in rock
0: music.
2: You're in Lou the Duke here on Radio City.
3: If you want to write... Anyway, welcome to MAR on 266 metres medium wave, the sound of the
4: northwest.
5: It's a Thameside Side radio on 90.2 megahertz VHF. <laughs>
4: Welcome to this week's Pirates of the Airways podcast, slightly different version of the podcast this week, and I'm going to hand you over to Laurie to tell you all about it.
0: Yeah, this is because Mark is too busy this week, he's got far too much on his plate, so what we've done is we've dug out an old archive recording from about 1984 when uh, I managed to sell a pirate radio documentary to LBC. And then the lawyers took one look at it and said this can't be broadcast. So I sold it somewhere else and this is the version that was eventually broadcast.
4: Okay, so we're going to we're going to play it now. So please enjoy this documentary
0: and my very young sounding voice. Stand by to broadcast. 10, 5, 5, transmitters on, 4, on, 4 3, 2, 1. Alice's is go. You're listening to Steve Price on Alice's Restaurant, 90.4 megahertz VHF.
5: This is primarily a rock station. I mean, You can take rock in its broadest sense from heavy rock uh, like the ACDCs down to the soft rock of the Eagles. Um, we go back to the 60s and play early bands that uh, a lot of people missed out on, bands like Cream, uh, Van de Graaff Generator, etc. In Britain, at this moment in time, there's only one programme a week, which is now three hours. It used to be two hours until recently, the Friday Rock Show presented by Tommy Vance on Radio 1, which actually caters for that sort of music. If you take it in a London sort of localised area, um, the problems are even more... Compounded from the fact that uh, Capital Radio, which is London's, obviously, uh, independent local local radio service, their Friday rock show is also on on a Friday night at exactly the same time as Tommy Vance, um, whereas ILR were originally set up, so I thought, to complement the service of national radio. In fact, it's uh, competing against national radio. We, are around at a weekend when there's nothing on the air in terms of rock music... Uh, 13 hours a weekend, and we play just solid rock music. Very little chat, no news, no political comment, straightforward rock music.
0: That's DJ Steve Price of Alice's Restaurant, a pirate radio station which broadcasts to London every Saturday evening on 90.4 MHz VHF. Alice's is fairly typical of most of the current pirate stations in that it's found a type of music that people want to hear which they claim isn't sufficiently catered for on mainstream radio. Another such station is Phoenix Radio. One of the main people behind that setup is John Scott.
6: The audience that we serve, in relation to other audiences, is perhaps small in uh, listening figure terms. I should point out that the sort of output that Phoenix Radio has tends to get called as uh, a form of alternative music output which is one of those terms which can mean a great many things. It is alternative in the sense that a lot of the product which we would play, perhaps 70 or 80% of it, is not commercially known in top 40 chart terms, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the actual material isn't commercial in itself. So the audience which we appeal to is the sort of audience which wants to hear um, so-called alternative music, whether it be from uh, independently produced pop records to punk records, to African, to reggae, to salsa, to some, in small doses, some soul, or um, to electronic music or something like that. So the audience which we appeal to, I would suppose, is the audience which tends to get bracketed as being that listens to uh, so-called alternative music, which, in as I say, in terms of listening figures for a top 40 station would be small but of course um, we're the only station that provides that sort of service and if people want to listen to it then they'll listen to phoenix radio so lamb based stations are on the air to
0: provide what they see as a service for what is primarily a young audience which doesn't enjoy what's offered by the likes of capital radio or radio one but why are such stations illegal and what's the government's view of them Although Mr Alex Fletcher, the Minister for Corporate and Consumer Affairs at the Department of Trade and Industry, was unable to take part in this programme, he was
2: able to answer some written questions. If we are to ensure the most efficient and fair use of the broadcasting bands within the radio frequency spectrum, access to them must be carefully controlled. Pirate radio stations appropriate frequencies for themselves without any regard to the needs of others or to the interference their transmissions can cause. Radio broadcasting services have traditionally been provided in this country only by and under the supervision of public authorities such as the BBC and IBA, which are accountable to Parliament, whose duty is to act as trustees of the public interest in broadcasting. There could be no question of the government licensing pirate radio stations or turning a blind eye to their activities. Unlicensed broadcasting is an offence and action will continue to be taken against those suspected of committing such offences. Clearly, the government regard
0: pirate stations as a serious problem and try to get rid of them whenever possible. Phoenix Radio, which broadcasts before Alice's Restaurant each Saturday evening, knows all too well the risks involved in breaking the Wireless Telegraphy Act. John Scott explains just how often the Radio Interference Service disrupts their broadcasts.
6: At the moment um, the situation regarding FM radio stations is more or less a question of if we come on the air it's highly likely that we'll be put off the air by the authorities whereas before in our first year um, that situation was likely to arise about five times a year. So how many times have you lost equipment? Over recent months we've lost equipment I would say uh, eight out of the last... 10 weeks.
0: And what does that cost each time you lose equipment to the authorities? How much do you have to spend to replace it?
6: The actual equipment that we lose would cost um, around 100 up to £150 pounds. and that equipment that we lose includes uh, obviously a, a transmitter and there's various other sundry equipment that has to um, be used to operate the transmitter and of course we we lose an aerial uh, structure which is purpose built and custom built by our engineers and in all it would range from about £100 to £150. Pounds. And where does that money come from? The money that we have for Phoenix is all gained from uh, a subscription system that the people involved in Phoenix Radio have. In other words, that they pay to become involved in the service and they pay a, a given amount of money each week which goes partly, part of the way, towards funding this station. and not wholly. Um, the rest we have to try and get from advertising revenue.
1: Phoenix Radio 90.2. My name is Ross Travone. At 5 to 7, it's uh, John Scott with the gig guide, and then followed by his programme proper between 7
6: and 8. Phoenix Radio 90.2 VHF as you know, there are literally hundreds of music and music-associated books on subjects ranging from album cover artwork to the punk revolution and the Liverpool scene, as well as countless books of rock lists, biographies and songbooks, to name a few. But one thing you perhaps didn't know is that all these types of books and more are now available under one roof from one store, the Music Boutique, 70 Shaftesbury Avenue, Piccadilly Circus, W1. If you can't get along to the shop itself open Monday to Saturday 9am to 7pm then a fast and efficient mail order service is provided. To receive the new bumper catalogue simply send a 20p stamp to the Music Boutique 70 Shaftesbury Avenue Piccadilly Circus London W1 or telephone 437 6144. Whatever your choice in music, we're probably the only shop you have to visit for any music book. The Music Boutique, 70 Shaftesbury Avenue, Piccadilly Circus, London W1. Telephone 437-6144.
0: In fact, so many people are willing to advertise on pirate radio that some of the more commercial operations are able to exploit a loophole in the 1949 Wireless Telegraphy Act and broadcast seven days a week on medium wave at little or no cost to themselves. One such station is Horizon FM.
3: It's 16 minutes to 12 midnight, and you're listening to Horizon Radio. We're broadcasting on 104 MHz FM stereo, 94.6 MHz FM, and also on 1615 kilohertz in the medium wave band. For the best jazz, funk and soul music in town, why not try Jean-Pierre's Nightclub, which features the famous OBJ's Disco, open from 10 p.m. until 3 a.m. every Saturday. You can also dine at the fabulous restaurant upstairs. Jean-Pierre's Nightclub and Restaurant, 49 Greek Street, in the heart of the West End. For the best boogie in town, telephone 437-5158. Limited Edition Entertainment invites you to the event of 1983. It's the first national celebration of reggae and soul music by British artists. That's on Thursday the 29th of December at the podium, Nine Elms Lane, Vauxhall, from 8 through until 3 a.m. And will feature top artists and stage PA's by Paradise and Lafayette Plus this year's dance group sensation, Unknown Quantity. Music will be supplied by top radio DJs, Lads Construction Hi-Fi and Lindsay Wesker from Echoes. Tickets are now on sale. Price £5 and are available from your local hair saloon or record shop. So why is it that the medium wave transmitter can stay on every day of the week? Somebody has to take the blame for it. And uh, what happens, they turn up to the site and they ask whose transmitter it is, and you, and you tell them. Uh, somebody actually puts their name forward as owning the transmitter, and uh, under the Wireless Telegraphy Act, they can't take it away until they get a court order. Court orders take about three months to get.
0: But the FM transmitters, they
3: can confiscate? FM transmitters between 88 and 108 are instant, uh, instantly taken away if not by the post office tracking teams they can get in the police who will act on behalf of customs and excise and they'll take it away under the customs and excise law. What sort of things can you do to stop the Home Office or try and stop the Home Office taking the equipment? We've tried everything. (laughs) Um, We did have a great installation um, on a site where every time they came up onto the roof the coax was broken, the rig was switched off by a micro switch and that lasted for about seven or eight raids but one day they uh, basically found a meter which I'd left hidden and they found the meter and traced the wires back, we were unlucky we didn't anticipate they'd be out uh, during the week Um, we've had flats on sites where we've actually been sat in the flat and people outside keeping watch, they'd radio to us and we'd go and snatch the transmitter but in the end that was getting too dangerous and they were getting a lot better at uh, getting in without us seeing them Um, There isn't a lot you can do at the moment on VHF. You've just got to hope that they don't come out. When they come out, you lose a transmitter automatically unless you switch off when you know uh, somebody else has been busted. That's the
0: state of play at the moment. The current legislation would appear to be able to keep the pirates down, but certainly not out. Having looked at what they do, just how do the pirate stations manage it? I visited the Phoenix offices one Saturday afternoon and from there was taken by car with John Scott to their actual transmitter location, the top of a large tower block in northeast London. Once we'd got into the service area above the top flats, John explained to me what was being set up.
6: Well, the actual equipment that's up here at the moment consists of a main transmitter, uh, about 30 metres or so of uh, aerial coax, and uh, an aerial itself, which is made out of aluminium and is about uh, 20 to 30 feet in height. Um, That is situated on the top of the tower block roof itself, which is lashed onto uh, something up there to keep it upright. Um, the aerial coax is attached to the end of the main aerial and that's run for about 30 metres from the roof into this utility room and uh, that's attached via special plugs to our main transmitter which is um, not very big it's a metal box with a lot of components inside it about um, 12 inches by about 4 inches deep Now what do you have to do to set this equipment up? Well basically it's just, it's just a question of uh, Plugging everything together really. I notice there's no tape recorder here. So
0: where does the program material come from?
6: Oh, well, our our programs are in fact transmitted live uh, from our studio, which is several miles away. And we use um, a fairly complicated uh, link system, which means that uh, we're able to beam a signal from our studio, um, which is received by our main transmitter, which itself pushes out the uh, signal and, and the programs. Um, so uh, at the moment we're just uh, setting up the equipment and we're waiting for a signal from our studio who will turn on our link and uh, when we see that on our radio that we've got with us here that it's accessing which means that it's uh, turning it on and off automatically um, then that is our job complete let's go from inside
0: the tower block out onto the roof and see what we can see
6: You're listening to John Scott on Phoenix Radio.
0: Okay, John, we've come out onto the top of the tower block. I don't think I've ever been up so high. And uh, we can see all London spread out around us. Just exactly where can we see from here?
6: Uh, Well, if we look around, we can see um, right up to Alexandra Palace, uh, up up northwards, um, looking in the opposite direction. We can go uh, have a look, peeping into Surrey. Um, from where we are, we can see basically all over uh, the entire London area. Um, it's a bit foggy at the moment in the outer line areas, but as you can see, you've got a view of uh, more or less all over London. If you look around, you can even spot things like the post office tower and the NatWest building, things like that.
0: And just exactly how far does the signal go? Uh,
6: well, it'll we'll have a radius of about 25 to 30, to 30 miles do you ever get worried when you're
0: up on the top of these tablocks that you might get caught red-handed, as it may be?
6: Uh, first and maybe second time, yes, but after doing it so many times you just, it's just a matter of course. What do you think you would do if the Home Office or the Department of Trade and Industry did find you up here? I, I honestly have no idea. I think I'd, I'd bridge that gap when I come to it. I haven't got any idea at all.
0: As John said, the transmitters used by stations like Phoenix Radio cost between 100 and £150, pounds, a tiny fraction of the cost of a similar BBC transmitter. Every pirate station, like any other broadcasting body, has to have its own engineer. The Alice's restaurant chief technical man is Dave Lane, and I put it to him that, as the Department of Trade and Industry suggests, surely such cheap equipment must cause interference.
1: No, that's not true. Our equipment is of a very low power, Uh, One of the reasons why we have to use such a high transmitting location is because we use a low transmission power. You'd be surprised how easy it is to actually build a transmitter for a small amount of money, and in a fairly short amount of time, which actually doesn't cause any interference. We go to fairly considerable lengths to make sure that we don't cause any interference. Uh, Most of the engineers who work for Alice's restaurant um, have got some form of technical qualification in the form of a city and guilds, or uh, similar electronics-type qualification, And we use all the relevant test equipment to make sure that our transmitter only radiates a signal on the desired frequency. Uh, Consequently, we know from the tests we've done that there's no chance of our transmission either wobbling off onto an adjacent frequency or causing harmonics in the emergency uh, service band. We have actually made uh, considerable efforts to make sure that our transmitters don't cause any interference. And, uh, in fact, we've never had any complaints of interference, so I think we've been fairly successful in that respect. What sort
0: of things do you do to try and avoid being caught by the Home Office?
1: Well, I suppose the main thing that we do all the time is to run our transmitter on a link system, which means that when the Home Office uh, find out where the equipment is by radio direction finding, all all they'll find is a heap of equipment, and uh, we're about five miles away, sitting in our studio, actually doing the programmes. So that means that at least whenever we get caught, we lose our equipment but we don't actually ourselves get caught with the result that we don't have to pay any fines. I mean, a fine would cost us maybe £1,000, which is a lot more than the cost of the equipment. Apart from that, um, we basically, when we're setting up our equipment, we're very careful um, not to make too much noise and that sort of thing. And that's really as far as it goes. If we get, if the Home Office decide they want to get us off the air, then they always can. There's nothing we can do about it. But surely the
0: Home Office could quite simply track the radio link, get back to the studio, prosecute the people and
1: take all the studio equipment as well? Yes, they probably could do that if they wanted to. In fact, they certainly could do that. They certainly have the technology to do that, to track down our radio link, should they decide they want to. But the problem for them is lack of funds. Um, they work on a limited budget, and it's going to take a lot of time and money to get together the necessary warrants, and a course order for the confiscation of the equipment, which is what they need. Um, So what they can do is quite cheaply come along and take away our main transmitter, which gets us off the air until next week. Um, But it doesn't involve them in too much time and complication. So if they do start tracking your link, what will you do to avoid the problems that that would cause? Um, The first time they track our link, I'm afraid we're probably in a rather sticky position in that we'll probably get caught because we won't realise they're doing it. Uh, if we do get caught, then we'll just have to take things as they come. But if if we get advance warning in, in that they may raid the studio of some other station, uh, track down the link of another station, if we're warned of it, then we reckon we can keep one step a- ahead of them in the technology. We can move our link to a much higher frequency, which will be almost impossible for them to track down. In fact, it's possible that we could use a microwave link where the beam of the link is so tight that the only way you can hear it is if you're standing in it. Uh, it's actually you know, no wider than that, and if you're standing in it then the received signal at the main site would go down to such an extent that we'd no sit at the studio. So it is possible that we could have a link which was not trackable by them.
0: Like many people involved in pirate radio, Dave Lane has a dual identity. When he's not breaking the wireless telegraphy act, he works in professional mainstream broadcasting, although for obvious reasons he won't say where so does he worry about what damage he might do to his future career if he were to be caught running Alice's Restaurant?
1: No. Uh, For the simple reason that I I would value what we're doing on Alice's Restaurant uh, above what I'm doing in professional broadcasting, because although I find the job that I do fairly interesting, and it obviously, you know, pays me money to live, um, I do feel that a lot of professional broadcasting at the moment is very much one track, and it's very much catering for one audience which is well catered for already Uh, what we're doing on Alice's restaurant is something different I must admit that as well as you know finding it something extremely interesting as a challenge I very much enjoy doing it so basically no I'm not too worried about what happens when I get caught um, because I'm fairly confident that I'll always be able to make a living uh, doing some form of electronics so I'm not too bothered actually whether I'm working in professional broadcasting because professional broadcasting as it is doesn't hold anything in particular for me. You said when you get caught. Do you think you're bound to? Um, I don't know. I mean, the risks at the moment are fairly fairly low. Uh, What the future holds, it's very difficult to say. If the Home Office do start really trying to clamp down and actually eliminate stations totally, then that's the time when I would be most worried about being caught. At the moment, I myself, in fact, have been caught on two or three occasions by police... And once they find out what you're doing, they're normally fairly, uh, you know, they're more worried about the fact that you're wasting their time than about the fact that you're a pirate. Um, So, although I've been caught a few times, it's nothing too serious, and that's how I look upon it at the moment. If I do get caught, I should be able to talk my way out of it. If I don't, then I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. At present, it seems
0: as though the pirates take the activities of the radio interference service as something they just have to put up with. But for how much longer? When the minister concerned, Alex Fletcher, was asked, do you
2: think you can get rid of pirate radio, he replied, At present, the effectiveness of any action taken by the Radio Interference Service against pirate radio stations is reduced by the lack of powers to seize apparatus for evidential purposes. This means that since we cannot take away their transmitters pending prosecution, stations can continue to broadcast no matter how often action is taken against them. To remedy this, we are currently seeking powers in the Telecommunications Bill to enable the police and the RIS to seize equipment which is involved in or evidence of illegal broadcasting for the purpose of legal proceedings. We hope these new powers will enable more effective action to be taken against those who broadcast illegally. Steve Price at Alice's Restaurant doesn't like the sound of this. They're basically saying in the new Act that
5: uh, if it goes through Parliament, which of course it hasn't at this moment in time, that uh, raids can be carried out, equipment taken away, just like that, which is basically a case of sort of saying people are guilty before they're proven to be so. If and when the Radio Interference
0: Service gets its new powers, life will obviously become harder for land based pirate radio stations.
6: So, are they worried about the future? Phoenix Radio exists for as long as the people running the station want it to exist. Um, We're always likely to be put off the air. Um, We know that we're likely to have trouble every week we come on the air. Possibly even people at some stage get caught. And uh, the relevant legal process would uh, apply to that individual or people caught. But uh, I don't think, I certainly hope not, not from my point of view anyway, that Phoenix Radio would ever close down due to uh, pressure from the authorities. We would only close down if the people running it felt that there was no need to provide that service any longer or that people listening generally didn't want to uh, hear that service anymore. As long as people generally want to listen to the service, then I think that, as we've been doing it for a good two years now, we should stay committed to our aims. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, Phoenix Radio will close only when the organisation of Phoenix Radio decides that it should exist no more.
1: No, I don't think they'll manage to put us off the air on a permanent basis. What they can do is put us off on a weekly basis um, and make us unreliable as far as our listeners are concerned uh, so they can reduce our audience in that way. They can also make us cut back on what we're doing. We might have stopped, for instance, doing live programmes down the radio link if we found it was impossible to evade their tracking of the radio link. We might have to use taped programmes... Um, so, yes, they might, they might drastically cut back what we do, but we're determined. Um, we look upon it as a duty to our listeners to stay on, keep providing the service that we are providing, because basically that's what it's all about as far as we're concerned. Uh, we're there to play a kind of music which you can't hear on the radio most of the time, and we look upon it as a challenge to stay on. So the pirates are aware of what may be in store for them, but don't
0: appear to be put off by the threat not only that, some of the stations think they may even be able to become legal, as Steve Price explains.
5: I think they will have to do something to uh, legalise either the existing stations or or give a a much better sort of choice in the terms of the stations that people can actually listen to. Does Alice's Restaurant want its own licence? Obviously, yes. Um, I'm not saying that we would aim for something like a a seven-day-a-week, 24-hour service because that probably wouldn't be necessary. Uh, Initially, perhaps, uh, an evenings and weekend service alone would provide the majority of our listeners with the service that they actually require. Obviously, a lot of people work during the daytimes, and I can't imagine sort of uh, heavy rock music blasting through the average local factory because it wouldn't suit everybody there. But uh, certainly, in terms of a limited broadcast, perhaps opt-in to another service out of hours would be the sort of thing that we'd be aiming for. And if you don't get this licence, will you still carry on as you are now? If we don't get this licence, we would continually review the situation as it stood. If the situation is going to stay the same as it is now, then Alice's Restaurant will always be here because there's an audience there and they need our service. Um, We're quite convinced of that. Uh, None of us like breaking the law. None of us want to break the law. Uh, We have problems with copyright, etc. We all want to pay PRS, MCPS, but we want to do it... Obviously, we want to do it legally and we want to do it with the blessing of the government. But if the situation carries on as it is, then we will be always here as we are now. So what's the future for Phoenix Radio? What are are the future plans?
6: Well, obviously, the... um, the illegal aspect is something that we're we're not particularly happy with, but we are um, deeply committed to providing the, the service that we do with Phoenix Radio, and it's something which just comes part and parcel with, with running the radio station. Ideally, we wouldn't want to be illegal, obviously. Um, if there was a situation which allowed stations to apply for franchises or licences to be able to broadcast over the airwaves then uh, obviously we would like to be involved in something like that and uh, run the station on a proper footing on a regular daily basis where people can tune in and know that we're always going to be there. But unfortunately that situation doesn't uh, uh, exist in the country today and we have to uh, go to enormous lengths to provide it illegally. Sadly, if the service that we provide was, we felt, adequately supplied by the existing stations, then... uh, there would really be no need for for Phoenix Radio to be run as a pirate radio station because the service would be provided. But the fact that it isn't, or the sort of output we have, is just shoved onto a few late night programmes, is a is a rather scandalous position for British radio to be in. Which, uh, after all, British British music is is still in the forefront very much now, so of of uh, the world. Um, All the new ideas come from Britain and sadly so few of them are broadcast over the radio.
0: And that's where we leave Pirate Radio, with both sides optimistic about the future. The likes of Chris Stewart at Horizon FM and John Scott at Phoenix seem determined to continue, just as the government seems determined to stop them. The final word goes to
1: Dave Lane. What does he think the future holds? Um, That is really a very difficult question because it depends on on, the, on what the Home Office or the DTI decide to do. If they do decide to crack down on pirate radio stations as such, then, of course, it's possible that, as a reciprocal move, they might decide to licence some sort of alternative stations uh, for the UK, in which case, you know, I'd very much like to see us go legal and do the thing properly, because at the moment we're, we're spending a lot of time and resources actually getting on the air, and we're not able to put very much uh, time and resource into the programmes which is, of course, the most important thing about the station, is that we're putting out programmes for people to listen to. So I should hope that at some point we'd be able to go legal, but as things stand at the moment, that's pie in the sky, and we'll just, uh, we'll just keep on doing what we're doing.
5: Black Sabbath and Neon Nights from the album Live Evil. Evil, of course, being live in the other way around. That was for Philip Cron...
4: Well, there we go. Thanks very much for listening to the uh, Pirates of the Airwaves podcast. This was episode 21. And thank you very much to Lawrence for letting us use that documentary which he made back in 1984 for LBC of all people. Anyway, if you want to get in touch with the podcast, it's very easy to do. Just email us at piratepod7080 at gmail.com. That's piratepod7080 at, at gmail.com. You can also get in touch with us via the Facebook site, the Land-Based Pirate Radio of the 70s and 80s Facebook site. Leave a message or a comment there. If you enjoyed the podcast, then why not like and subscribe and follow and do all the things that you do on podcast platforms. Uh, We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another Pirates of the Airways podcast. In the meantime, stay safe and remember, keep a lookout during those tape changes.
5: Radio Nova, broadcasting on 1404 kHz of the medium wave
3: band, 212 metres. Unfortunately, we've had to suspend your regular broadcasting. This is due to the post office requiring to test and inspect our equipment. We'll return
6: you to normal broadcasting just as soon as we can.
5: This is a 1386 audio production.